Hey, hey, all right, Billy Carson here, AKA Forbidden Knowledge. I'm back, <clears throat> back, back, back in action. Just got off of a great podcast with Elizabeth Huckstra in Biohack Your Best Life. And we were talking about self sabotaging. So if you didn't see that, go ahead and log into uh, the, uh, the, pr the prior video to this and check it out. It'll also be airing on Forbidden Knowledge TV with a slight edit, as well as all the other podcast platforms. And so tonight, I'm going to talk about Enlil and his all-seeing eye and what it is. What is the all-seeing eye of Enlil? All right. So, again, thank you for everyone for coming back on kind of a back-to-back -back podcast. I wasn't able to do my podcast yesterday because uh, of travel, and I didn't have a pre-recorded one edited uh, to my liking. So I decided to just do a back-to-back -back podcast tonight. So I'm back on here again to spend some more time with you guys. We're going to talk about the Anunnaki tonight. Okay, a lot of you guys' favorite topic, these ancient beings that came here according to these ancient tablets. You know, and um, I had an interesting phone call today by a gentleman that runs a, a YouTube account, a YouTube podcast, reputable podcast. And he was asking me, like, for a quote on what I thought about these Anunnaki and these pyramids and these ancient temples and so forth. Like, who built them? Did humans build them or did aliens build them? And my answer to him was simply this. According to the ancient text... Not according to Billy Carson, according to the uh, the ancient Egyptians, according to the Kemetic people, the Dogon tribe, uh, according to the aboriginals, the indigenous aboriginals of Australia, according to the indigenous peoples of the Americas, North America and South America. Uh, we're talking about people that have been here for a very long time, inhabiting these lands for a very, very long time. People came to this planet, according to them and all their records left behind, and still in their current traditions. Today, people came here from another planet, other planets, other star systems, and began to teach human beings specific things, one of them being building techniques. And so by having a master architect come down and teaching these building techniques and these advanced technologies, people then learned from them and began to build these structures. It wasn't that aliens said, you know what? I think we want to do all the work and build all this stuff ourselves. They really passed down the information to people and then people began to build them. And what's interesting is the further you go back in time, the more incredible and sound the structures are. The closer you come to the current era, the more dilapidated and poorly constructed these temples and so forth are. So the more ancient, the better, the newer, the worse. Doesn't make any sense. Why is it in deep antiquity, tens of thousands of years, everything was way better construction-wise than what we have here today? As the generations went on, the knowledge of how to create these super megalithic constructions was lost over time. And so you can see gradually, especially for the people who come to Egypt with me in just a few short weeks, we'll be in Egypt. I've taken 65 people. You'll see us going live and everything else. I'm going to take them to some super ancient structures, and they're going to take a look at structures made in more current times, and you'll see the difference in the construction technique. You'll see that the wisdom, when you can see the wisdom fading away. And so over time, we lost our knowledge. Until right now, you see our construction. A tornado comes through, and everything is gone. A hurricane comes through, everything is gone. Back then, not even earthquakes can tear down these structures. So... Pretty interesting. But that's my answer. My answer is 
beings taught human beings and human beings built those uh, structures based on the teachings and under the instruction and guidance of these beings. And then over time, as these beings were long gone, over time, the techniques either got shortcutted, got lost, uh, different catastrophes and calamities happened on the planet. Again, more of the knowledge getting lost and forgotten as as records and information and instructions and 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 and, and diagrams disappear and uh, everything is going off of just memory and hearsay. And so fast forward into the future, you don't have the great structures anymore. We can barely build a building that can last 10, 20 years without maintenance happening every single week. Pretty interesting. If you don't believe me, go into an old neighborhood where you got foreclosed houses. Go look at a house that's been foreclosed for about five, six years and see how it looks. It looks like it's about to collapse in just a few years. It can't even withstand a few years of being untouched. So pretty interesting. Pretty interesting. Anyway, uh, Courtney Russell says uh, she has the Emerald Tablets. Thank you. Thank you so much, Courtney R R Russell, for buying the book. I appreciate that. All right. <clears throat> Let me go ahead and get started here. So tonight I'm going to talk about Enlil and his all-seeing eye. How did I come across this theory of Enlil having an all-seeing eye and putting it into my documentary, The Black Knight Satellite? Well, it's pretty interesting. Years ago, I was reading the Sumerian tablets and I came across several accounts of Enlil talking about human beings and how they were bothersome and how they were making too much noise. And uh, he would know from his point on, and Africa, he lived in Africa, he would know uh, where people were on the earth, how many people were in a certain area. He would know population densities. Now, how in the world would this guy know population densities in other regions of the planet thousands, tens of thousands of years ago? He would know their crops. He would know how much crops they had, if the crops are doing good or bad. He would know if the people were acting, uh, acting out, acting crazy, rioting, or being calamitous, as he called it, or noisy. And depending on what people were doing in different areas of the planet, he would he would order a he would create a kill order, believe it or not, a kill order, and he would have people killed off in various different ways. This is all in the tablets. One of the ways he would do it, he would spray their crops to dry them out, so that the people would starve to death in certain areas to kill, to cull the population, he called it. So think about that. We're talking about chemtrails in ancient times already existed. So what you see in the sky, these chemtrails, nothing new. He did it already. Enlil did it already. Yahweh from the Bible, he did it already. Killing off people through uh, destroying their crops. He would also release plagues on people. Sound familiar? To kill people off. Sound familiar? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, that thing that they want you to get the, you know, to stop that from, from, from you and, and all these other things they keep coming up with over the years that, you know, all these different things that they literally create in the laboratories and release on populations. Yeah, that already happened in ancient times. Nothing new. Nothing new. Okay. Uh, and then you, uh, another way he would do it is uh, he would outright have his guards, his military people, just outright slaughter people, outright just slaughter. Various different ways and various different techniques he would use to cull the population. Uh, but his big method was killing the crops and so they could starve to death, which is a brutal way to die. And the other the other biggest method was 
through different types of plagues. He would release different types of plagues. And those plagues, plagues were designed to reduce the population. We have people right now on this planet today, elite, super elites that want to reduce the population. They're still doing that crap to this very day. It hasn't changed. Nothing's changed. It's just a different era. But the, the, the techniques and so forth that were used back then, still being used right now. Hadn't changed. And so in my research into all of this about Enlil, I came across the fact that he had this capability of knowing the population densities. He knew about their crops, who had the better crops than who, who had the, who was, who, you know, who was prosperous, who wasn't. And again, who was making too much noise. And I'm like, how in the world can you know all of this? Uh, he claimed himself to be omnipotent and omniscient. So that's what made it into the Bible. You know, God's supposed to be omnipotent and omniscient, all knowing and all seeing and everywhere at all times. To me, if you take away the spiritual, magical aspect of that statement and analyze that statement by understanding technology, how can I, Billy Carson, right now today become omniscient and omniscient? How can I, how can I be everywhere all at once and, and know everything at once? There's an easy way for me to do that today. Number one, I got a smartphone. This smartphone can give me everything, tell me almost everything I need to know, right? And then the second thing is the smartphone is connected to the internet, which is connected to satellites. And those satellites can, I can log into satellites all over the world and I can see what's going on anywhere on the planet right now. I can tap into camera systems, public access cameras right now from my phone. My car, I drive a Mercedes-Benz. I have a Mercedes S-Class. I always keep an S-Class since 2002, one of the most incredible cars for everyday driving because they're so safe. What's interesting about the car since 2013 through now, uh, you can access the cameras, the street cams, the traffic light cameras. I can actually, there's an app in the car, built into the car, that will let me see, you know what? Let me see what traffic looks like on A1A before I go that way. I can actually physically see the cameras, I can turn them on. I can see live camera action in my car, cars going back and forth on the highway and see which highways are crowded, which highways aren't crowded from my car. Give me that omnipotent, omniscient ability. Between that and my smartphone, I now can see and know everything and be everywhere at all times. So you see, when you take the spiritual, magical, sky daddy wizard with a magic wand out of the picture, and analyze it from a technological standpoint, you begin to realize that we're talking about a guy who had technology. This is how he knew about this. The, the, the Sumerian tablets say he had something called the Tablets of Destiny. And these Tablets of Destiny would have communication capability. They would have capability of seeing images on the screen that let him see things happening on the planet. He can even transmit information back to his home world through these tablets of destiny. And he had control of some type of weapon through these tablets of destiny, which is why people tried to steal them. And they actually got stolen a few times. And it was said whoever had control of the tablets of destiny had literally control of everything in this galaxy. Pretty interesting. And so he had the tablets of destiny as well. These crystal tablets that can display all this information. What kind of tablet can display information today that's made that looks like a crystal tablet? Well, it could be uh, your iPad. It can be your cell phone, right? These devices that we have right now, very similar. 
and so on my device, you know, I was in here earlier, it was getting hot in this room, and we finally figured out which controller, which app it was to control the air conditioner in the room. We tried for the whole the whole time we were on the podcast, Elizabeth was sweltering in heat because there's so many lights in here. That's my new studio. I'm sitting in my brand new studio. And we got all these lights and stuff, right, to get the right lighting and so forth. And so it was hot. But we couldn't figure out the correct app to use. I was on my crystal tablet trying to activate a device that would cool us off. Now, to a less technologically advanced person that would be in this room feeling that heat, and then all of a sudden they see me going to this crystal tablet, and then the room gets cooler, to them it's magic. To them it's absolute magic. To me, it's just an app and some technology. Right? This is basic stuff. I can control my thermostat from my phone. We just moved into this house. We couldn't. Con we didn't know which thermostat it was because this house has five uh, AC units. That's how big the house. It's got five units. I didn't know which one to turn off and which one to turn on. We finally figured it out after the show ended. But yeah, but now it's cool in here, right? It's cool in here. The air's pumping on me. I feel great. But to a person who has never seen a crystal tablet, to a person that's never seen an air conditioning central air conditioning unit and the vents that bring the air in, to them. I, I, I accessed this magical realm and I, I manifested cool air in the room because I'm a god. And so this, you know, this is what religion is. Religion is nothing but cargo cults. That's all religion is. All, I don't care what religion it is. It's a cargo cult. Advanced beings were witnessed doing things that people couldn't understand. And they passed it down from generation to generation. Two, three generations later, it's, it's, it's nothing but a, a deity now. And this deity has powers that are going to bless my life. <clears throat> that's what it's all about. So I'm really analyzing this whole thing with Enlil, and I'm realizing, wow, this is pretty amazing. This guy has some type of technology which is extremely similar to an all-seeing eye. So I start researching that. Turns out the Eye of Sauron from the Lord of the Rings, when you start digging deep into it, they got their concept for that from the Sumerian tablets. <laughs> they got the concept for the all-seeing eye of Sauron from the Sumerian tablets. In the tablets, let me see if I can find it here so I find the exact reference. Pretty interesting stuff. Uh, let's see, where was it? In the Sumerian tablets, Enlil builds a tower into the heavens. Okay, a tower into the heavens. And he puts this device there. It's very similar to what they call the all-seeing eye of Sauron in the Lord of the Rings. And Enlil can oversee everything on Earth and communicate with Nibiru on uh, communicate with Nibiru and the way station on Mars. So this device that he put up in the sky so high it went up into the heavens, which is outer space, it has the capability of seeing everything on Earth and communicating with Nibiru and Mars, which had a way station. They used to transport uh, things from Earth to Mars and then wait for Mars's orbit to rendezvous, to come to a rendezvous point around the sun with Nibiru and then ride from, from Mars to Nibiru on a rendezvous point. So pretty interesting stuff. This is talked about thousands of years ago in ancient tablets. And now here we have it today. We have the capability, if we're willing to open our eyes and realize what's going on, what he's talking about, in my personal opinion, he's got a satellite. That's what I believe. And Lil had access to some type of satellite 
technology. He's got a device up in the sky that's in the heavens that is linked to his tablet that when he accesses his tablet, he can see, oh, there's 10,000 people living in this region over here on Earth. And there's another 100,000 people over here. But these people over here are acting up. So I want I want to kill some of these people. So I want to dry their crops out. Let them starve to death till the numbers drop to about 50,000. And then we'll give them their crops back. You see, this is what's going on. This guy's got a technology. All right. This guy has technology. And so I started researching this even deeper. And I said, man, what else can prove that satellites were used in the ancient past? And I started realizing for a lot of things. First and foremost, the Great Pyramid. So the Great Pyramid is built at the center of landmass on Earth. Not the center of Earth. It's built at the center of the landmass. Two different things. You have landmass shaped and formed around the Earth in various different areas, right, where the continents lay. And so in order to figure out where the center point of the mass is located, you need a orbiting satellite, but not any old orbiting satellite. You need a specific type of satellite. How I had to ask myself, how would we do this in modern times? How would we do this today? If I was tasked with the job of discovering the center of the mass of land on Earth, what would I need? I would need a satellite, number one. Number two, I would need a satellite in a polar orbit. You can't have a satellite orbiting around the equator. That would not give me the data I need to find the landmass because I wouldn't be able to see the entire planet. I would need a I would need a satellite that orbited the Earth this way from pole to pole. And as Earth spins on its axis, it would be able to take a swath of data at a time as Earth is spinning on its axis and as it orbited pole to pole. And they can then take through computer data, we can stitch that together and we can create a complete grid map of everything on the entire planet. We can see topography. We can see depths, heights. We can see uh, mineral content. We can see water, depths of oceans. All that information can be done through a polar orbiting satellite only. So what this tell, told me was that in ancient times, in order for Enlil to be able to see everything going on on Earth, he had a polar orbiting satellite. It's the only way to see everything going on on the entire planet. And then now in modern times, we know that's the only way to be able to pick out these types of sites to pick out the center of landmass. So in ancient times, again, the people of the land of Kem, long before the dynastic area of Egypt even started, there was a polar orbiting satellite. What else can the polar orbiting satellite do? Well, if you look at the Great Pyramid, you come up with some very interesting numbers, okay? Some very interesting numbers. Let me see if I can pull up some of these numbers for you and go, go over them with you right quick, because this is interesting stuff. Stuff that proves that you have to have a polar orbiting satellite in order to come in order to come up with these numbers. Okay. And so I'm gonna pull up uh let me pull up one of these right now and just read through some of these numbers from my own calculations that I've come up with over the years. All right, let me just pull it up real quick. And you'll find that again, you you need a polar orbiting satellite to be able to do this. Okay, let's pull it up here. All right. 
here we go. Now let's see. Let's see if we have it here. Okay, found one. I'm looking at my notes here. All right. So now with the Great Pyramid, the tropical or calendar year, the length of the base is 9,131 pyramid inches measured at the mean socket level or 365.24 pyramid cubits, which is the number of days in a year. The perimeter, now in order to know the number of days in a year, you need to understand, the, the, you need to understand orbital cycles. The perimeter of the base divided by 100 equals 365 number of days in a year as well so you can calculate the number of days in a year by the by the by the stones in the great pyramid the dimensions of the great pyramid okay uh you can calculate the tropical year you, you can calculate the sidereal year the length of the antechamber used as a diameter of a circle produces a circumference of 365. again this is all built into the way into the way that the pyramid was constructed is built to tell us now in this modern time through mathematics that these people were super advanced and they knew everything already. Uh, so here's something very interesting. The height of the pyramid times 10 to the ninth power represents the mean radius of Earth orbit around the sun or the AU, the astronomical unit. So the distance from Earth to the sun is the AU, one AU, astronomical unit. That can be calculated uh, through the... Uh, pyramid construction as well. Now, the question here is, how do they know what an AU is? How do they know the distance from the Earth to the sun? You need technology to learn that. You can't detect the distance from Earth to the sun just by looking with your human eye. You need technology to be able to calculate that. They were able to do that tens of thousands of years ago, as I believe the Great Pyramid is at least, at least 36,000 years old, at least, in my opinion, at least. The mean distance to the moon is the length of the Jubilee Passage times 7 times 10 to the 7th power. That equals the mean distance to the moon. Incredible. Here's an interesting one. The sacred cubit times 10 to the 7th power equals the polar radius of Earth and the distance from the North Pole to Earth's center. All this can be calculated by the way the pyramid was constructed. But to know these outcomes and to know these different distances and everything else, you need to have already had a satellite orbiting the planet to, to make these, to know the knowledge to then create the structure and build it into the structure. You had to have foreknowledge. In other words, you had to already know what you're trying to create, what you're trying to mathematically create in the structure before you even build it. Before you even lay it out to be built, all this knowledge already had to be known. This is known information. Okay, pretty interesting stuff. Let me see what else we got here. Earth's mass. The mass of the pyramid equals the volume times density equals 10,339, 823.3 cubic bits. So you can actually calculate the mass of the planet Earth itself, not just the shape, but the mass of all the land in between the diameter of the planet, you can calculate that from the, the pyramid. The pyramid inch times 10 to the 8 equals the speed of the Earth around the sun. So you can calculate how fast Earth moves around the sun based on the construction of the Great Pyramid. 
all this takes foreknowledge. You would have already had to uh, be able to observe technologically and calculate the speed of the Earth around the sun before you then decide to go make a structure like a pyramid and build that information into the structure. This is advanced knowledge. This is advanced wisdom that, in my opinion, requires technology. That's my opinion. And so I believe they had this technology. And so Enlil's all-seeing eye, I believe, is the Black Knight satellite, which is why I did the documentary. And so the deeper I dug into this, the more I looked into it, the more I began to realize a lot of structures structures on Earth that have these astronomical calculations and crazy star alignment from stars that are, you know, 100 light years away, uh, you know, a million light years away and all these crazy outrageous numbers, I realized it takes technology. And one of the technologies that they had was a satellite, a satellite orbiting in a polar orbit. Now, what's interesting is we couldn't do a polar orbit until more modern times. We just learned how to put satellites in a polar orbit. We just learned how to do that. The Dogon tribe knew about uh, Sirius B, and they knew about this in ancient times. They knew about this uh, uh, long before we even had the capability of creating observatories. They had a verbal handed down history for thousands of years that the Nomo came from a came from a planet that orbited Sirius B, which is a star that ran out of fuel. They came to Earth. And they began, these are no more Anunnaki people. They came to Earth and they taught them the orbital, period, orbital periods of their trinary star system, a Sirius. They taught them all the information about the planets in our solar system, the shapes, the sizes, the colors, and the orbital, 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 orbital periods. I'm sorry. And so they had all this advanced wisdom they claimed they got from the Nomo. Okay. And they still have that same exact history till this current day. These Nomo taught them about adinkra codes, adinkra codes, and they would then take these adinkra codes and they would create different patterns on clothing, material, and even in construction. And these adinkra codes are actually codes that are the mathematical codes that make up space-time, the ether of space-time itself. And that was recently discovered that the codes that the Dogon have been riding down on different types of clothing and materials and blankets and so forth and in caves and, and etching into stone. Those are the codes that create the, the ether of space-time itself. Now, those are the program codes of the matrix. They know the program codes of the actual matrix. And this was proven by Professor James Gates Jr., who discovered that these adinkra codes are mathematical codes that are called error-correcting codes, and that these error-correcting codes, after analyzing them, are the same exact codes that predict the operation of how the flow of the universe actually functions. In other words, the underlying basis of the functioning of our reality are adinkra codes that the Dogon tribe holds sacred and know all about for thousands of years. And they knew about a star that we couldn't see till modern times uh, for thousands of years. And they've passed it down this verbal handed down history for many, many generations. So the fact that this information can be passed down, this knowledge and wisdom can be passed down over many generations is not a secret. It's not a mystery. We know that for a fact that these kind of, kinds of things actually happen. And so this all-seeing eye and the information uh, that it was able to use to calculate, to create things like the Great Pyramid and many other ancient structures all around the planet, to me, is just, it's our time to learn about. It's our time to wake up to the reality that there was a more sophisticated advanced civilization here on this planet 
long before we ever existed, long before Homo sapien existed. Uh, and now we're just beginning to realize or re rediscover what was already here. And so this all-seeing eye is pretty amazing because it ties into a few other things. So this Black Knight satellite was detected by, this, a signal coming from the Black Knight satellite was detected by Nikola Tesla, okay, Nikola Tesla in the early 1900s. And he actually made a statement that he thought that these signals, and I remember at that time, there should have been nothing making any kind of noise in space. Nothing should be, no, no information was being transmitted yet on this planet. He thought that these signals were coming from Mars. See, Tesla was working on radio communications back then. And he started picking up a frequency, a signal coming from something. He thought it could have been an alien civilization living on Mars. Actually, it was the Black Knight satellite giving out the signal. The frequencies that he recorded are the same exact frequencies recorded in the 1950s by two ham radio operators, which made mainstream news. They had detected this signal. They had began to decode the signal. It was giving the location of a star system called the Epsilon Bootis and a constellation. And then in 1960, another astronomer who was a writer for Time magazine Duncan Lunan, he actually then uh, decoded the signal as well. He wrote about it, and it made Time magazine in 1960. Interesting. So I'm saying, man, this is pretty interesting stuff. This is, this is like multiple sources getting the same signal, and the translation of this signal coming up virtually almost the same. They were talking about the Epsilon Boetus constellation, well, where it was in the sky potentially between 11 and 13,000 years ago based on precession of the equinoxes. So this thing could be super ancient. This device that's up there orbiting our planet in a polar orbit, which shouldn't even be able to happen for thousands of years, could be about 11 to 13,000 years old. So I said, this is pretty interesting. So this, this device that's up there could be the all-seeing eye of Enlil. I said, let me look a little bit deeper. What does Enlil have to do with Epsilon? So I start digging and digging and digging, and I find out that Epsilon is actually owned, according to the Sumerian tablets, Epsilon is owned by Enlil. Yeah, he owns it. It's his constellation. The star Bootis is his star, meaning he probably comes from that sector of the galaxy. He probably came, came from a planet that orbits that star. Enlil, Mesopotamian god of the atmosphere, and a member of the triad of gods, the original, you know, this triad, there was three of them. It was Enlil, Enki, and Anu. That's the trinity. That's where the trinity actually originally came from. Let us make man in our image. That was said by Enki, his brother. That wasn't said by God. That wasn't said by the creator of the universe that you think said it. It was said by Ea Enki, the person that the earth is named after. Ea is his first name, Ea. Ki meaning earth. That's the ancient translation into earth. Earth is named after this Anunnaki. So if you had any doubts about who the Anunnaki were, the planet you're on is named after one of them. And Enki is the one who said, let us make man in our image. That made it into the biblical text that came from, it came from the Anunnaki and Lil's brother. <clears throat> and Lil meant Lord, wind, both the hurricane and the gentle winds of the spring were thought, as, thought of as the breath issuing from his mouth and eventually his word or command. 
He was sometimes called Lord of the Air. He was also called uh, Satan, the Lord of Eden. Sound familiar, guys? Sound familiar? In the Bible, he's known as Yahweh. Sound familiar? Sound familiar? His son is named Marduk, who's also in the Bible. Look it up. M-A-R-D-U-K. Who's Marduk? His other name was Amun-Ra. And he's the one who said, when you say amen, you say, you anytime you anytime you give thanks, you say amen. You give thanks to me. So that's where amen actually originates. It, it originates from uh, Enlil's uh, and Enki's, uh, you know, bloodline. And you're saying, you're saying thank you to these Anunnaki, which have you say amen. That's a whole nother podcast, though. But anyway, pretty interesting. So I was looking into this and uh, I found that, you know, the the um, the constellation itself or the, the constellation itself and the star was attributed to Enlil and that he had ownership of the Epsilon Botus constellation, which is pretty interesting. So I said, wait a minute. We got, we have uh, a being who has the capability of seeing everything happening on the planet at once. Okay. He knows population densities. He knows who's doing what and where, who's acting crazy and who's not acting crazy. He has the capability of reaching them. If he sends somebody to take care of somebody on the other side of the planet, they can get there. How in the world are they traveling there? to take care of these people that quick. Like, how do you go from point A to point B, which could be literally thousands of miles away to wipe some people out because he, under his orders, technology, technology. And then you begin to look at these ancient structures and see the alignments that they have for knowledge, advanced knowledge of orbital cycles and, and understanding, um, you know, the alignments and all this, astronomical alignments, takes foreknowledge to be able to build that into structures, which means you need technology long before you ever got a chance to build the structure. You can't put the, the chicken before the egg. And then you look at the Great Pyramid, which has all of this advanced wisdom and astronomical knowledge basically built directly into the structure itself to say, hey, guys, we were super advanced. You guys are nothing. You just got here. You're the new kids on the block. We know everything already. We knew everything long before you even knew knew anything. Even met, the metric system is built into the Great Pyramid. We didn't discover metrics until, you know, the 1960s or something like that. So you begin to analyze. So you're like, damn, okay, so they have all this. So this guy's got a satellite. And then all of a sudden you say, okay, this guy owns Epsilon. This satellite that's orbiting our planet has been giving off a signal saying it's linked to Epsilon in some way. You begin to research Epsilon and find out that the Sumerians attribute ownership of Epsilon and the star Bootis to Enlil. He owns it. And so you got to put two and two together. You got to say Enlil's all-seeing eye is a satellite that orbits Earth and still orbiting till this very day. It's in my documentary, The Black Knight. I'm going to show you the picture of it shortly here. And it's giving a signal. It's, it's, it's recording information from our planet and transmitting it in real time to Epsilon. So even though the Anunnaki beings, most of them are gone, except for some of the bloodlines that are here, there's something watching us. They are still watching us right now. The watchers, they're still here. They're watching through technology. How can they communicate to 
a star that's multiple light years away? Well, it's very simple, quantum entanglement. If they had the capability of, uh, of doing what they did that long ago, I trust me, they have to have quantum entanglement. And what they're doing is simply this. You've got a satellite in a polar orbit scanning the planet, collecting all the data. And then you have a decoder inside the satellite that decodes and breaks down the data into zeros and ones. And then through quantum entanglement, it does something with what they call in, in, in physics, a spin rate up, spin rate down on the atom. If you make the atom spin up, that's a zero. You make the atom spin down, that's a one. So through up and downs, you can create zeros and ones, which is binary code. That binary code is transmitted instantaneously, bypassing the speed of light to a quantum entangled communication device in Epsilon, which then decodes it instantaneously. And they know exactly what's going on here on Earth at all times, at every corner of the planet, 24-7. That's what Enlil's all-seeing eye is all about. Okay? It's super advanced technology. In my personal opinion, it's an actual satellite. Uh, we now call it the Black Knight. Uh, and uh, and this is exactly what they're doing. They're watching us with this device and they're using quantum entangled technology, quantum entanglement technology to transmit in real time everything going on on Earth. This is why they haven't tried to destroy this thing yet. This is why they won't even touch it. The STS-88 mission flew by it in 1988, took high quality images of it, put it up on the official website. It's up there. You can Anybody can go download the images of this thing. Anybody. It's public knowledge. They said, you know what, that, we think this is space junk. At first, they thought it was Russia. And then they realized, wait a minute. Hmm. They can't launch 15 tons into space. They estimated this thing with 15 tons. We can't launch 15 tons into space. Whose is this? We realized, they realized quickly it was neither one of ours. And why, 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 why leave it alone? You don't know what type of self-defense mechanism is already programmed into this thing. You don't know if it's going to call the cavalry to come down and say, hey, let's deal with these people. You don't know what it's going to do. The best thing to do is don't touch it, don't mess with it, leave it alone, and act like it doesn't exist. Of course, they've probably been trying to communicate with it because in my documentary, we found an NSA document that shows that they've been communicating with this thing, and they've also decoded it. And guess what the NSA document says? It says Epsilon Botis. Check it out. It's in my documentary, The Black Knight Satellite. I'm going to take a quick break and play you guys a quick clip from The Black Knight. And it's only like 50 seconds, I believe. And then I'm going to be right back on here. Check this out. We're going against the wind. The wind's 120 miles from the west. Oh, all thing, dude. You know, you're dealing with all of these objects that are hanging out over your sensitive military installations, nuclear facilities. And now you're seeing objects in orbit. After I enhanced it a little bit more, I can see that there was almost two halves of this craft. This mm. is something that is intelligently made. Somebody is watching us. We should at least know who it is and why. The watchers are called the messengers. Yes. They keep watching us because they're thinking, well, perhaps they're not going in the right direction. This is an actual NSA document. They are talking about communication through specific frequencies wow. and then how we could communicate back with ET. Black Knight is somehow correlated with the Boltus constellation. I think there's a lot more to it. An early reptilian race brought this satellite yeah. into orbit. These so-called satellites are to observe the planets 
to listen. The universe is full of these probes. What I think is the most important thing to understand, are we being watched, who is watching us, and where are they from? I am Billy Carson, and this is my investigation into the Black Knight Satellite. Guys, that's the Black Knight Satellite documentary. I'm not sure if you uh, haven't seen it yet. It's available on Forbidden Knowledge TV, okay, exclusively. And uh, I'm going to give you the link to it again right here. It's really simple. It's only a three-letter website, 4BK.TV. Just drop the link in the chat. You can go there. There's over 6,000 shows. You can actually sign up for a free trial, and you can watch the Black Knight Satellite documentary for free on the free trial. If you like it, stay on board with us. We got a lot of great shows and new shows and documentaries and movies coming out every single week. Stuff you'll never see on uh, YouTube or any other social media account. Full shows. Okay. Full shows. So check it out. Uh, if you've seen the Black Knight Satellite documentary and you liked it, you know, say something in the comments, drop a, drop a fireball or something in the comments or a heart or something. If you saw it already, uh, it's like our number one stream show right now on Forbidden Knowledge TV. And it's absolutely amazing. I put a lot of work into this. Uh, it was three years. It took me three years to get this thing done. And we finally got it done and put it out. And it's uh, it's amazing. It's doing phenomenal. I submitted it to some, um, you know, to some of the uh, places where they can review it to see if it's worthy of any awards. Uh, you know, so I'm, I'm just waiting to see what happens now. We'll see if they if they deem it worthy of any awards uh, as an independent film. So we'll see what happens there. But I put a lot of effort and energy into the Black Knight Satellite. Thank you for everyone who has seen it. Uh, put a lot of work into this thing and a lot of money to produce it. Uh, you know, to get all these people. I got quantum physicists. I got theoretical physicists. I got uh, scientists, uh, astrophysicists, um, spiritual people. I got people in, in, in the UFO field. I got people into the ancient civilizations area who knew who were experts in ancient civilizations. I want to perspective from every single person on this thing as I began to realize, you know, that this Black Knight satellite is Enlil's all-seeing eye. And this is what he used to see everything going on on the planet. And he was able to communicate through this device back to Nibiru. This is why I'm telling you that he knew he, he they had the capability or the technology of quantum entanglement. Because I don't know if you understand this. Distances in space are vast. If you were actually, let's say you were in a spaceship out by Jupiter right now, and you wanted to send a message back to Earth, it would take about three months for that message to get back to Earth, and then about three months for the message to get sent back to, the response to get sent back to your spaceship. That's traveling at the speed of light. And so that information is traveling fast, but it's really traveling very, very slow. And so the only way to beat those types of speeds in deep space like that, you need the ability to travel, have information traveled on a quantum entangled frequency. That's the only way. Otherwise, forget about it. You'll be out there all alone. You won't be able to ask for help or anything. So for him to be able to communicate back and forth from Earth to Nibiru using this eye, which is the Black Knight satellite, he had to have quantum entanglement built into the satellite, which means this satellite is communicating with somebody consistently as to what's going on on this planet. And so when people, you know, are wondering, well, when are they going to show up? What are they going to show themselves? They're sh they've shown themselves. 
They, the evidence of, the, their, of their existence is all around us and is right above us as well. We just aren't opening our eyes and seeing it. It's right here. And this is actually one of the biggest stories never told, uh, which is why I did the documentary. Uh, other than some you know, bland YouTube videos kind of reading over uh, basic information that everybody already knew, nobody ever dug deep into it like I did. Nobody's ever pulled the veil open and went behind the veil on this thing. And so that's why I created this documentary. Uh, and I think it's going to really open a lot of people's eyes uh, and, and make them more aware that there's something else going on. And there's other people in this universe that are monitoring us, that are watching us on a consistent basis to see what the heck we're doing and what we're going and what, we, what we're going to do. I have a new show I'm working on right now putting out based on the testimony of nuclear physicists, the testimony of nuclear arm, nuclear silo armed guards, people who guarded nukes in missile silos owned by the United States, people who actually had the arming codes for nuclear devices, the arming codes. This is the people, this is where they worked there. They were able to arm nukes and disarm nukes. Uh, and so you'll hear their own testimony within this show I'm working on right now. Uh, as they're talking about the UFOs that would show up in broad daylight at work at the missile silos and deactivate the nuclear codes, hack in and deactivate the nukes in broad daylight while they were standing there. Think about some of the most hardest jobs to get in the world. One of the hardest jobs to get in the world is not even being a president. The hardest job to get in the world is having the code to all the nukes and, and learn, knowing how to activate and deactivate them and guarding them, guarding them. That's probably some of the hardest jobs to get in the world. And these guys say people came there in ships, hacked into the uh, nukes live in broad daylight on camera in front of everyone and deactivated the codes. Pretty interesting. They call them flights. So these nuclear silos are called flights. That's the that's technological proper name. They're called flights. So these UFOs would show up at flights and then they would begin to deactivate nukes. What are they doing? What, 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 what is this all about? They're letting us know that whenever they want, they can stop us. And there's nothing we can do to stop them. And so it's not a threat. They're not saying, hey, we're going to hurt you. What they're saying is, you see these nukes? We're not going to let you launch them. <laughs> they went to Russia and did the same thing. Do you know what they're saying? You guys think you got power? You ain't got nothing. We got real power. Like, we have the real power. And so when you see this video uh, with these uh, eyewitness testimonies from uh, credible sources, people who actually were uh, former military uh, that guarded these things, uh, rocket scientists that coded these things, then you'll see. You'll see what I'm talking about. It's the real deal. It's the real deal. And so... These beings are still coming here and checking us out. They're still watching. How do, they, how do they know what the heck's going on in this planet? Why would they come here at the time, at that time, to start playing with our nuclear devices and shutting them down? They just, they saw what we were doing through that device. They got the information. They got the upload of the data, right? The video feed, whatever it is. And so, you know what? Let's, let's go, let's buzz. Let's give them, let's buzz their nuclear power plants. Let's buzz their nuclear uh silos right quick and let's let them know we're still around guys and whatever we want 
We'll do whatever we want. And guess what? You will not be able to destroy this planet, even if you try, because we'll shut down all the nukes. You won't be able to make this planet a wasteland. We won't allow it. They won't allow us to have a nuclear battle. They won't allow it. It won't happen. The Cold War is a farce. The Cold War is a joke. And they knew this. Russia and America, they both knew this. They made a lot of money off the Cold War. They made trillions of dollars off of the fear of the citizens, thinking that there was a potential nuclear war that was going to go down when it was never going to go down, not in a million years, because they had been warned already and the nukes had been deactivated many times, not once, not twice, dozens of times over the years, dozens on both sides, letting them know, hey, you're not going to be able to launch, not to attack and kill, not to attack and kill, not to not to destroy this planet because they still need this planet. There's a lot of resources on Earth, and they're not going to let this planet go to waste. This planet is an oasis in the middle of nothingness. And so this planet is extremely rare. It's a rare gem, and they're not going to let this planet uh, get destroyed by us. Uh, but that eye is out there. It's watching. It knows everything that's going on. It sees our advancement. It knows where, which direction we're going in, which direction we're not going in. And uh, and, and they're, and they're going to step in to prevent complete destruction of the planet. If we can, if we had a way of killing ourselves without destroying the planet, they probably wouldn't even care. But they're not going to allow this planet to go to waste. They're not going to allow this this gem on the outer band of the Milky Way, in the middle of nowhere, in the in the, in the suburbs of space. They're not going to let it go to waste. They're not going to let us destroy it. But yeah, so the all-seeing eye is is that the all-seeing eye is um is the Black Knight satellite. So if you haven't seen it, guys, you got to go check it out. You got to watch the documentary. It's available on Forbidden Knowledge TV. You can watch it on your TV if you have Apple TV. Just go to your Apple TV app store, get Forbidden Knowledge TV. If you have Roku or Amazon Fire TV, get the Forbidden Knowledge TV app. If you have an Android phone, go to Google Play Store, get the app. If you have a uh, an iPhone, or an iPad, go to your iOS app store and also get the app. It's a free download. Or just go to the web, 4bk.tv, and you can stream it right from any device that has a web browser. And uh, like I said, you can get a free three-day trial, and you can watch the documentary. It's about an hour and 15 minutes, hour and 20 minutes max, and uh, it's pretty interesting. And by the way, when you watch the documentary, when it gets to the credit roll at the very end, don't turn it off. After the credits roll, I have a little special gift for you at the very end of the documentary. At the very, very end, just like you do with the Marvel comics, Marvel movies, and, and these other movies, there's a little nugget for you at the very end. Wait till all the credits scroll, and then at the very end, I got a little gift for you at the very, very end, all right? So you'll, you'll think you're going to love it. But that's what I believe the, the all-seeing eye is of Enlil. He had the capability of seeing things on the planet all over the planet and uh you know it's pretty interesting is like i said before is the fact that he owns epsilon you see we think that you know we own a, a nice house or a nice car we're doing something big now i gotta you know i got i got a nice car i got a nice house mm, i got a yacht i got a i got an airplane mm. there's people out there that own planets <laughs> There's people out there right now, and I do mean people. I ain't talking about no gods, no magical sky daddies with wands. People 
flesh and blood people that own planets. There's people out there that own constellations of planets. There's people out there that own stars. There's people that own sectors of a galaxy. They own an entire sector, an entire sector they own. I'm trying to tell you, there's levels to this game. Human beings, what we know as humans, homo sapiens sapien, new kids on the block. We just arrived. We just arrived less than a blink of an eye. 200,000 years on, ge on geological time scales is less than a blink of an eye. We know nothing. We know zero. We know nothing. We just learned how to tie our shoes, and we can't do that too good either. We can't even tie our shoes that good. I see people with, with shoelaces out all the time. We can't even do that. We can barely take a good bath. And people rock walking around with stink booty. We just got here, guys. <laughs> we just got here. We know nothing. We can barely wipe our mouths and wash our hands properly. There's people that have been here for in this universe for millions of years ahead of us. Now think about this. Think about what we did in 100 years, what we actually did. At 100 years ago, we were driving in horse, buggy, and carriage. 100 years ago. Fast forward 100 years. We have satellites. We have now thousands of satellites. We have rovers on Mars. We have the Voyager that has now gone into intergalactic space. It's left the Oort cloud from the outer solar system, gone intergalactic. We have a satellite probe that's gone into open space in between galaxies right now, right? We have done so much in a hundred years, and we're still, and that's what being held back technologically from the powers that be. That's what them holding us, restricting us. We could have been way more advanced even than that. Between religion and the elites, we should already be traveling like to go see the rings of Saturn on vacation right now, but that's a whole nother podcast, right? Whole of the podcast, but regardless, look what we came even with suppression. Look what we came even with oppression. We came this far in a hundred years. Now, magnify that by one million years because that's how old the Anunnaki were when they came to this earth. They were one million years ahead of us already. They were already one million years ahead of us when they landed on the earth 450,000 years ago. And for 450,000 years ago, for 250,000 years, according to the tablets, they did the work themselves and left us alone. They didn't even bother with us. And then 200,000 years ago, they decided they were going to mess with us. And they started genetically tinkering us, tinkering with us. And they created the Homo sapiens sapien, uh, which is who we are right now. They did not make us from scratch, from the dust of the earth and all this other crazy foolishness. But what they did was they genetically modified our cousins that were already here and come up with the version we are today. They got us to do the, to do the work for them, the work, do the load, uh, bear the load, bear the labor. All the stuff that they were tired themselves of doing, according to their own tablets. They said they were tired of doing the work. They were tired of digging canals and doing hard labor, backbreaking labor. They were sick of it. And they almost went to war against and Enki and Newt and Enlil for, for, for having to do so much work all the time for, for all those years. And that's when the decision came up for them to let us make man in our image. And so they genetically modified our cousins that were already here on Earth. And how we got here is a whole other podcast. We were seated on this planet. Earth is an abandoned seed colony. 
Earth is an abandoned seed colony. That's a whole other podcast. But they genetically modified us and created a worker slave to people to people that would be enslaved, but not even know they were slaves to do the work for these people. And we replaced them as we grew in number and population. Okay, that's the whole thing behind it. But this all seeing eye, it's still watching. It's watching everything we do. Our good, our bad, our ups, our downs, the whole thing. Our wars and everything else is all being monitored and watched. Why are they watching us? Well, if you left beings on a planet that had the capability of becoming a space-faring race one day and maybe even finding you, wouldn't you want to know when they got to the point where they can launch? And if they were able to get out into uh, FTL, FTL is faster than light travel, and find us or find other places that we inhabit, we would want to know if they're taking weapons with them. Because if they're taking weapons, what kind of weapons, how lethal are they, and can we defeat them? It's always a, uh, you know, it, it always comes down to uh, strategy. It always comes down to a strategy, strategy and foreknowledge, or intel is what they call it in the military field, intel. You need intel, good intel. Good intel will, will keep you on top for a very long time. That's why the United States is on top right now. The United States is on top because of good intel. They have intel, spies, technology, satellite tech that they use, hacking tech, all the stuff they use to stay on top. They know what's going to happen before it's happening in a lot of cases. And when they do, when something happens and they don't do anything about it, trust me, guys, they let it happen. <laughs> if something happens and the United States doesn't do anything about it, that means they actually let it happen. All right. That's another. That's the other side of the whole coin. Uh, and so, but these beings have that eye up there and they're still watching and they know everything we're doing and they're waiting to see if we're going to advance to a species that's going to become enlightened to travel in space, or are we going to maintain the dark side before we travel in space? Are we going to take weapons with us and how lethal are those weapons going to be? And based on that, maybe the deciding factor whether they, whether they have to stop us or let us go. And I'm hoping it's that we don't make the decision to take weapons into space because that would be that would be a bad move for us because those weapons won't be good enough to do any real damage to anybody that's a million years ahead. The only thing it would do is do damage to ourselves. So hopefully, this is a big hope. Uh, that's not the that's not the ultimate plan. If we can continue to talk to people, continue to wake people up, continue to get people in positions of power that become awakened. We won't have the issue of, you know, what we're going as a species on this planet and off the planet. The last thing we need to do is to be a threat in space as a young space fearing race. We won't have the capability of fighting off anything that's out there if we be. And I don't think that they're going to come and threaten us. I only think that if we, you know, if we threaten them, well, then they got to defend themselves. And we don't want to put anybody in that position. So hopefully we wake up. Uh, I truly hope that we wake up enough people wake up on this planet before we even get to that point. But that's what I wanted to talk to you about tonight about, guys, the all-seeing eye. Uh, if you haven't seen the Black Knight satellite, I want you guys to, um, you know, take a look at it. Uh, we, I see a lot of great comments in the chat. Uh, I see a lot of people who, who actually um, saw some of the work that I've done, saw the documentary. I appreciate every single one of you guys. Thank you for taking a look at it. I'm going to drop the link in the chat one more time before I get out of here. Um, it's 4bk.tv and uh, watch the Black Knight satellite.
type it in right now on 4bk.tv get the free trial watch it you're not going to regret it it's going to be an amazing one hour and 15 minutes you're going to love it when the credits roll wait till the very end i have a special little nugget for you at the very end of that documentary i think you're going to love it all right guys thanks a lot for coming on tonight thanks a lot for spending some time with me and give me an opportunity to rant on the all-seeing Ivan Lil. I'll be back again very, very soon. We have a lot of new podcasts out right now. What's the Big Secret by Roderick Martin is doing phenomenal. Shout out to Roderick Martin. He's doing a great job. Make sure you watch his new show on Forbidden Knowledge TV. His new show is called What's the Big Secret. It's an actual TV show now. Not just a podcast. It's a real show. You got to check it out on, on Forbidden Knowledge TV. All right? All right, everyone. I love you guys. Appreciate y'all, and uh, I'll catch y'all later. Peace.